He played Karakan. His rating was higher. But from move seventeen, the king's side was mine. Took my chances fast. My rook was a knife, and my almighty queen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ladies' Night, the official podcast of U.S. Chess Women. I'm your host Jennifer Chahadi, and you are listening to the artist Huga of HugaMusica.com, and that is a song that certainly captured my heart. Oh, Capablanca! His bishop was small. Thanks to everyone who supports the podcast for your shares and reviews and Apple Live. If you want to get more involved in all we do at US Chess to empower girls and women through chess, please consider a tax-deductible donation of any size to our US Chess Women program and reach out to me with any questions. He has more experience, but I won't lose again. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ladies' Night. Today, I have two special guests, a first in our Ladies' Night podcast history. I have Robin Ramson, the founder and executive director of Chess Girls DC. She's also a member of our U.S. Chess Women's Committee. She organizes a, a very popular girls' regional event. Usually, it's in D.C., but this year, Robin, like so many other organizers, have pivoted online and she's hosting a Chess Girls Empowerment Weekend in November with a bevy of young female chess masters who are going to be appearing to inspire the girls. Robin's also a chess mom. And that is where our second guest comes in as Sarah Ramson, who is a really multi-talented young lady. She's a chess player, a golfer, an excellent student. She plays multiple instruments, including beautiful songs that she writes on a harp that is taller than her and probably even taller than her tallest chess trophy. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, most importantly, um, Sarah to this podcast, Sarah is also a frequent and active regular in our girls club Zoom. And she's always asking wonderful questions. So it's really cool to get her perspective. Um, Robin, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. Well, Robin, um, tell us a little bit about what you did for National Chess Day, um, which just took place because you had a really special event for that. So that was so exciting. So we committed to giving away, we were gifted with um, chess boards and we committed to giving away over 300 chess boards to one of our underserved areas in the city, Southeast Washington, DC. So during the entire month of October, but specifically on National Chess Day, because that's when we started. Every weekend, we're giving out chess boards. And we gave out 100 this weekend. And so we're pretty sure we're going to reach our 300 mark by the end of the month. We actually have, through a generous donor, we actually have over 1,000 chess boards. So this will give some students something to learn, something to create productive thinking while this pandemic settles down. That's phenomenal. And Sarah, you were helping with that, right? Yes. Um, how did you find people to figure out like who wanted, needed a chess set? People were just walking by and we would just say, hi, would you like a chess board or 
a chessboard to give to a friend or two chessboards. Take some chessboards. Chess is a really fun game that you can learn. And we've also included 12 weeks of free lessons um, through the generous philanthropic efforts of National Master David Bennett. He is going to have a virtual classroom every every week for an hour for 12 weeks. That's amazing. So in Washington, D.C., believe it or not, there's not a whole lot of chess action. In Northern Virginia and in Maryland, where Mr. Rockefeller is, there's a lot of chess action. And I don't know if it's because there aren't a lot of teachers. I don't know why. As um, probably one of the few African-American women who are involved in chess in Washington, D.C., I thought that my presence would bring children out of the shadows and get them involved in chess. Because a lot of times, especially black children, feel like, oh, that's just an Ivy League college sport. You know what I mean? So that's why we went into the southern portion and the underserved portions to show kids that you're capable of learning chess. We're here to teach you. You know, and um, we're going to give you resources to support to support your efforts. And actually, a lot of girls came and boys came, too. But a lot of girls came to get some chess boards and it was cool. And we we also use churches that were in the area. I use like um, the pastors have a conference once a month and um, I have the pastors sending the information out to their churches. So that was another way we got the word out. That's just amazing. And uh, Sarah, um, you seem like you're a great salesperson, um, <laughs> even though, of course, you were giving these out for, for free as a donation. Um, what was your success rate like? How many people that you asked wanted a chess set? And did some people think, like, this is too good to be true? Like, you're just giving me this free set. What do you want me to sign up for? No, actually, most of the people just took a chessboard. 95% of them were like, okay, I'll take it. Why not? And I think um, a lot of people were more interested once they found out that there were 12 weeks of lessons involved. Because people think chess is a hard sport to get into. But I think the 12 weeks of lessons really helped. Yeah, David Bennett is somebody who's um, always worked with Chess Girls DC, and I've heard you speak about how great of a teacher he is and an advocate for chess. Um, Sarah, do you take lessons from David as well? Outside of Chess Girls DC, no, but I think he's a really good teacher as well. Only because we don't want to um, infringe on his philanthropic spirit any more than we do. Because right. he, the answer is always yes with David. And so... And so we try to get, keep it to the weekend group lessons. That's great. Well, David is a great guy. And um, what do you like about his teaching style, Sarah? I like his energetic feeling and, and he's patient. nice and bubbly and he's patient. So like if you get it wrong, he's like, well, that's OK. But what if this happens or what if this happens? And he's, I just like his personality. I think in the era of online learning, I think energetic and like super excited, sometimes even exaggerated, like, oh my God, I think that's really good because people are missing that face-to-face -face interaction. In order to approximate um, enthusiasm across the screen, I think you need to like just dial up the volume. So for somebody who's naturally like that, it's really useful. Sarah, you've been a very loyal um, regular for our Girls Club Zooms almost from the very beginning. Um, tell us about your experience with that and some of your favorite guests. 
So for the girls club, I just really liked it because it's just all girls and it's sometimes it's over a hundred girls and that's just amazing. And I like the guest speakers. So like I especially liked when you did it because your presentation was just awesome. And I oh yes, and I like the girl who the lady who sang and she also played chess and she writes music and she does all those music videos. I thought she was really cool. And Tata Vabrahamian, I just liked the, she just looked bold. Like even from her hair, I just, she just looked bold. And so I liked hers as well. Oh yeah, Tatev is very bold indeed. And the musician you're talking about is Huga, who actually sings the introductory music to this podcast, which is a great segue to um, your musical interest, Sarah. Um, your mom is justifiably very proud, so she posts a lot of your music videos online, like your um, memorial piece for John Lewis, beautifully done. And one of the activities that we had for the Huga workshop was to challenge the students to tell us what song they would make if they were making a song about chess. Did you pick a topic for that? I think we did. But as of right now, I think I would do something like knights or smothered mates or tactics or puzzles even. And those are just interesting topics. Definitely the smothered mate. The smothered mate is a great one. Do you guys still play against each other at all? You and your mom? No. No. <laughs> we used to when Sarah was little, but I'm, I just get eaten up, so... I stick with teaching the beginning session of chesskids.com frame by frame. Very nice. Very nice. Um, and I understand that you originally got into some of your great activities around chess because of your daughter. Is that right, Robin? Yes. I realized very early on that there was no way that Sarah was going to stay in chess if all of her friends weren't doing it. I mean, that's just the nature of children. If my friends are doing it. And so early on, I created Chess Girls DC because I really thought that chess was very important. I learned how to play chess in high school and I felt like I learned really late and there were so many distractions, you know, by the time I got to high school. And if I had started younger and had more friends um, I would have benefited and grown and really thrived in chess. Like all the people who are in chess girls are like really my friends because they're fun to be around. We, a lot of us like the same things and we just find a lot in common to talk about. And so, yes, I have a lot of friends. I think in a day and age where children compete so much for time, there's so many activities for a girl to decide that she wants to spend her time on the weekends playing chess, there's got to be more in it than just winning the game. Until they get a little older, you know, and it's a priority for them. But especially if it never becomes a priority for them, they really are drawn to their friends. I completely agree. I think even for really strong players, I mean... This is not something for just beginners, like really um, talented players um, will drop off if it's no longer socially interesting. Yes. And, you know, you don't want to feel like your friends have left you behind. So I just love the things that you're doing. You are weaving all the other aspects of life into um, chess and chess being social. It's so powerful what you're doing. 
Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's great because the kids are so friendly and having like the girls like Sarah who are really outgoing and friendly, like setting their tone and then everybody else is on good behavior. It's really an incredible um, group. What this pandemic has unlocked for me is that because there are so few teen girls that play chess, we almost have to go online so that we can make sure they make friends with people who are a similar age and rating. Because if you try to do that live, it just might not happen. Because if you're from a certain area and there's no other 15-year-old 1700 who lives in that area, you're kind of out of luck. I think that this whole quarantining pandemic thing is going to create a an area, another stable area of chess, especially for children who are out in the suburbs, who are out in Montana and Utah. And I think your girls club, it's it's important that it continues even when we get back to over the board sessions. We might change the frequency a little bit, but we're definitely going to keep doing it. I would think like bi- maybe bi-weekly or maybe weekly still. It depends on the interest level. Speaking of online events, you have this great event coming up called Chess Girls Empowerment Weekend. Tell us a little bit about that and how you came up with the idea to make it more than just a chess tournament, but also a series of inspirational talks. Well, one thing that we know is that when girls attend uh, nationals or regional tournaments, they have access to their friends and their coaches. And even if they get discouraged, they don't quit because everyone's pushing them along. So I decided that we needed to create a parallel, an event online where girls can run back to a quote, club room and get inspired whether you win or whether you are not the victor and continue to play we don't we want them to at least come back and and think I can do it I can do it and so I called up so many ladies who have so much experience and so much to offer and have also lost a lot of games and can tell you how to stay in the game absolutely I mean some of the women that you have in your list um I've um, been lucky enough to also host in my girls club sessions, like Yvette Garcia Morales, like when um, Sarah talked about David and how energetic he is. Well, that certainly applies to Yvette. She is just incredible ball of energy, positive energy. I like her girls club as well. She, she was just so much fun. So I've never met Yvette, but I thought that Yvette was ideal for the Friday night event because a lot of girls are just afraid to play online. Oh, it's not for me. Maybe the boys will be chatting. Maybe someone will say something to me. Maybe I won't. So I thought the Yvette would be a perfect person for the first night. And we're going to do a blitz campaign. And um, I hope that she will make the girls feel as though they can do it confidently. There's no hocus pocus. You just get in there and do your best. And we have some great prizes. She is um, an ambassador for Chess Kid. And she's just uh, really an incredible chess personality. We also have Claudia Munoz, who is part of our women's committee. And she um, did a workshop with us on like college and chess and how you can use your chess skills to get into a good college, which I think is really powerful for keeping the teen girls involved as well. It is. And, you know, children forget that the skills you learn in chess help you with test taking, help you with college in terms of just stopping, thinking, directed focus. 
it's powerful. Even if you uh, apply to a university that really doesn't have incentives for chess players, the skills that you have from playing chess all those years really help you. Absolutely. And Sarah, you have so many interests, as I mentioned in the intro, outside chess. Um, how do you feel like chess kind of informs the other interests or helps you in? Which one's like your number one passion outside chess? Is it the harp? Because I feel like that's what I see the most. It's ballet. Ah, okay. And like contortion type stuff, because I like to bend my body in different forms. So like those are my top interests. I see. And does chess inform your ballet or contortion career at all? Well, yes, the practice. Like in chess, you have to, for instance, puzzles. If you are going to get better, you have to set yourself a goal. goal. So like, I don't know, say you do 10 puzzles, maybe twice a day, every day. So about 20 puzzles a day. But you have to do it consistently. And for instance, in ballet or contortion, if you have a, your splits, for instance, you have to keep practicing your splits or else you're going to lose your splits and then you're not going to be happy about that. You have to keep stretching your splits and gradually get into an oversplit, which is where one of your legs or both of your legs is higher than a regular split. You know, Alyssa Melahina was a ballerina and a chess champion. And I feel like some of the things she talked about with discipline also echoed what you were saying. It is a discipline of the body as chess is a discipline of the mind. What is your favorite subject in school, Sarah? I'm not sure, but I am very good at math. I actually like to read books like on a regular basis. <laughs> Probably reading. Reading and math. And you're how old are you now? I'm 11. I'll be 12 in February. Very nice. And do you think that you are going to stick with chess as a teenager? And how are you going to incorporate it? into like the more crazy schedule of, you know, high school? Most likely because I'm homeschooled and so I'll have more time. And I'm also more ahead than the average 11-year-old. And so I'll be done high school sooner. I'll have more time to devote to my music, my chess, and everything else that I do. I think I will be because I'll be done high school a little bit sooner. Well, you know what I'm finding? We started Chess Girls DC when Sarah was about four or five, and we're growing through a generation of girls. And I, I, so I'm learning to do things that really capture their interest. So that's going to be real exciting. So when Sarah becomes a teenager, I am depending on her to keep me in the loop of what teenagers really like to do. So I'm just going to make this up. If it is a, if kids are really into movies, if teenagers are really into movies, we're going to be incorporating movie parties, dynamic movie parties, and playing chess. If she is going to ballet school full time, then we are going to be incorporating Sarah's ballet friends into learning to play chess. So it's an evolving process. That's fantastic. I think in the past, chess has been a very unilateral, one-sided kind of thing. And I think when students feel as though there's room for more than one aspect of their life, in addition to playing chess, they tend to want to keep coming back and they stay interested in it. I agree. I mean, I think that it's important to show that there are goals in chess that are outside becoming a great player. And I know that sounds really corny. I tweeted about it. I wrote that, what if being good at chess isn't just a rating, but how well you use chess to enhance your life? Yes. 
Because I think a lot of times people think good at chess, that means you're like good at the openings, the middle games, and the end games. And yes, there's that. But if you're really good at chess, let's have this paradigm shift. Then it means that chess makes you happier then it makes you frustrated. And you know what else I always tell the parents of girls? I can say this because Sarah's older, but, you know, chess can be very social between boys and girls because sitting over a game of chess talking, girls don't have to use their bodies to create interest and to create dialogue. I agree with that. And, you know, that goes back hundreds of years where it was considered that, you know, a chess game was an appropriate way for an unmarried man and woman to hang out. And there are pictures of like a, you know, a woman and a man who are unmarried, um, you know, just sitting at the chessboard playing as this was really considered one of the only things that they could do. I've thought about that for a long time. I really have because so many times children want to engage each other, especially when they're very young. They want to engage the other person, but how do they do it without using their body? Especially if the person isn't really into sports or maybe the the boy is really into football and testosterone oriented sports and the girl's not. Chess is such a neutral place. You mentioned a lot social life and socialization. And I want to get your perspective on social media. The idea that some teens and preteens are, um, you know, under extra stress because of the influence of social media in their lives. What's your perspective on that? Um, Sarah, are you are you using social media yet? And what's your plan for going forward as a mom? So I mostly just use Instagram. And the only thing that comes up on my Instagram is people who I follow or, pe- or people who follow me. And it's mostly golf people that I know or music or harp. I like that. I thrive on social media, especially to get the word out about our events and girls playing chess. And I think it's just like anything else. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. And I think it's you got to have some self-control. You know, we all we have limits at our house. And even my husband, we know that we have to turn it off at a certain time or else you become the things that good or bad. You become the things that you spend so much time looking at. Especially Facebook, you get so much negativity, so much negativity. If you don't put some limits on yourself, it's difficult. But I think with children, it's hard because there's nothing else for a lot of them to do. And so I think these exciting chess events are amazing avenues for them to find other children to talk to, to find something to productively think about, to it's always something new to learn. And I find I have not met a child that once you get them in that learning pipeline with chess, that they don't stay, especially if they don't feel as though they're being left behind or the other kids are smarter and you are constantly incentivizing them. Chesskids.com and Zoom meetings have been very, very helpful for us. I totally agree. I mean, chess is basically just perfectly suited for using things like Zoom and chess platforms like chess.com and Lee Chess and Chess Kid and social media. I don't know if you know this, but I'm also the scholastic coordinator for the USCF for Washington, D.C. So I have an event space called D.C. Scholastic Chess. And so in that space, I try to include boys and share all of our Chess Girl D.C. resources. So we're a 501c3 nonprofit. And if I get a donation, I don't 
just keep it to the girls club. I try to share it in our space where we have DC Scholastic events. So that's how we got into the chessboard giveaway campaign. And not only are we giving them chessboards, chess chess pieces, pieces. we are including a water bottle and we are including this wonderful, you remember that pawn power book? Yeah, pawn mower. I would have so much fun with it. So that's what we do in our DC Scholastic space event. Because girls need to be able to negotiate with boys and, you know, we can't keep all the resources to ourselves. I totally agree with you. And actually, it's interesting that you say that because when we do these um, partnerships with the uh, St. Louis Chess Club where we get um, grant funding, um, whether it's online grants right now or last year with the live grants, Technically, a lot of times they're open to boys and girls, but the idea is that there should be 50% or more girls. So that's difficult for organizers, I understand. It's hard to get, like once you open it to boys, it's going to be hard to keep it 50-50. But there could be some creative ideas around that, like mixed doubles. So that's something that I think people who are listening to this should keep in mind, because I completely agree with you. And one of the things that I talk to my brother a lot about, I am Greg Chahadi, who's the founder of the U.S. Chess School, is that it's really important for boys to be taught by top female players as well, because they yes. should also be seeing these female um, leaders, brilliant chess players. That's important for their experience as well. So we don't want to only take the uh, the female chess players for teaching the girls club room. And I have introduced many of our, our best teachers to Greg in the hopes that they could also lead a U.S. chess school session. I think that's a really important point we should keep in mind. I really care about boys as well, even though I am the women's program director, I know that there's also a lot of problems in our society today that are specific to boys. And I actually think by, you know, lifting girls up, we can better approach those problems as well. That's one of the things I love, love, love about being the scholastic coordinator for Washington, D.C. and leading the way because boys get to see a woman in the place of leadership. They're so used to seeing men in leadership and chess. I think it extends their level of respect for women. I really do. Absolutely. It's really important. Our mutual um, colleague, well, Rochelle Ballantyne, she uh, was on my friend Ben Johnson's podcast recently talking about how we get more young Black women in chess. She talked about a lot of things, but that was one thing that she touched on. You know, we really like to see uh, a young female national master. What do you think that we could better do um, to make that happen faster? I don't think that some children have the confidence to just take it all in because if they're already struggling with school and then their parents are telling them to play chess and why should I play chess? And we've got to keep the numbers up. So we've, we've got to maybe create cohorts where they feel connected like, and they have some kind of, they feel somewhat, some responsibility to each other to show up at their little chess clubs. But you know, my girls club is kind of different. The girls who are in my club today have, are self-motivated, but the girls who come to my tournaments are ones that we go out and search for and encourage and tell them they could do it. But I spend a lot of time and energy creating scholarships so that girls from the southern portion of the city can come without having a financial burden. So it's kind of like, in my area, two different parts of the neighborhood. But the ones who've fallen off, I think it's because they don't have the friends that play chess. If I had a wish, 
it would be someone who could go into the high schools and create some unique all-girl cohort. Jason in Philadelphia, he has amazing big girls. They participate in our events and I it just brings tears to my eyes. I'm so grateful when he brings the big girls because my little girls, my 11 and 12-year-old girls have someone to look up to. They see that the big girls are playing, so they look forward to playing. So Jason Bowie and, and Gabrielle, they do a great job with teenagers. I don't know what kind of magic they have going on, but we all need some of that. Oh, they're fantastic. Jason and Gabrielle are, are friends of mine as well. And I remember one of the first times I met you, Robin, actually, I was um, working with uh, one of their high school students who actually was incredibly talented. I, her name was Tiara, I believe. And she yes. was the PA representative for the Nationals Girls Tournament of Champions, now the Ruth Herring um, Memorial. And you um, gave her just like a, a beautiful five-minute talk. And you you never met her before, but you were just like so welcoming and supportive and excited to see her because they drop out a lot in high school, but she was sticking with it. Of course, we also want adult women to play chess as well because that's inspiring. So Sarah, you got to, you know, be, do some sparring with your mom. <laughs> but I thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, I should ask, what's the best way to follow Chess Girls DC and all the great work that you're doing, Robin? Well, you can go to chessgirlsdc.org or you can find us on Facebook. Most of the good stuff is at Robin Ramson as Chess Girls DC, but you can go to chessgirlsdc.org and I hope everyone registers for our Girls Empowerment uh, Weekend. It's going to be really exciting and everyone who participates is going to have a special gift mailed to them and you're going to love the swag bag that you get. And that's November 6th through 8th, by the way. And Sarah, I just want to let you give a closing comment. Can you give any advice to parents out there or, you know, even uncles and aunts who are listening to this? Any advice for them how to get their kid interested in chess? A lot of times I get this question when the kid's like really young, like five or six or seven, but you can take whatever age you want. If you're trying to get one of your kids or your nieces or nephews to learn how to play chess, Try to incorporate maybe one friend as well and try and teach them both because then they can learn together. They can play against each other. They can play with each other. They can discuss it together. And it's just it will be just a cool thing. And they can just hang out. And when they hang out, they can be like, "Ooh, let's play a game of chess. Let's do some chess puzzles. And that can be like a play date thing, like a chess play date. And chesskids.com is so easy. And it makes it fun. Wonderful. That's such great advice. You're so wise for your 11 years, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining me. Robin Ranson, she is the founder of Chess Girls DC. And you can find out about her organization on all the social media networks as well as chessgirlsdc.org, right? Yes. And it's been a pleasure to have you guys on the show. So happy. If you like what we're doing at U.S. Chess to encourage women and girls to explore STEM fields, accentuate competence, and approach an even ratio with a focus on intersectionality, your donation to our U.S. Chess Women programs is always appreciated and tax deductible. The U.S. Chess suite of podcasts, including Ladies Night, are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films, Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. 
Don't forget to listen and subscribe to all U.S. chess podcasts from One Move at a Time, Cover Stories, and Chess Underground. Till next time, may every night be ladies' night. Now according to Stockfish, I got it all wrong. After slightly advantage, I had nothing but my dear Capablanco. You tell me we learn more from our defeats. Who needs victories? Thank you.